One of the most important facets of any business is customer service. In business, you are not only selling a product or a service, but an experience. Providing exceptional customer service and developing real relationships with your clients means increased sales, retain customers, new customers via word of mouth, and a positive reputation. You're listening to the Focus on Customer Experience Podcast. Podcast. Benjamin Del Grosso gives you the ins and outs of one of the most underlooked aspects in business today. Improve your customer service and watch your business skyrocket. Two, one. Benjamin Del Grosso. Hello and welcome to the show. Today we have Mitchell Deskis here. Mitchell, why don't you tell us, you know, who you are, where you're located, and what you do? Yeah, well, first off, Ben, I appreciate you letting me come on the show and kind of tell a little, a little bit about myself and obviously maybe give some tips and tricks as far as customer experience goes. So, yeah, so my name is Mitch Deskis. I, um, before I got into the industry I'm in now, which is the roofing commercial uh, construction industry, I was a personal trainer for about eight, nine years. I uh, got into uh, a personal studio. So I was training clients, had trainers for about three years. Uh, then I moved out to Colorado with uh, my wife before our daughter was born, moved back to the DFW. That's how I got into the roofing industry. Um, that's pretty much it as far as I don't have a very entertaining life. Uh, so that's, that's pretty much it. Um, really into working out. Um, I think, I think when you get into working out, you create a lot of discipline, you know what I mean? So I think when you're able to create a lifestyle of, of fitness, you become more disciplined in other aspects of your life. So like with work and things like that. So, um, it's pretty much it. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> you know, cause you know, when it comes to working out, a lot of it has to do with self-discipline. And so many people say, oh, I don't have time to work out. Oh, I don't have time to do this. But the funny thing is, um, you know, I did 75 hard, which, which we were talking about earlier, you know, off camera. And basically, I mean, I was blown away that I was able to do two 45-minute workouts a day, still do everything that I needed to do every day. Plus, you know, all I did was when I was doing my indoor workout, I had the elliptical on or I was pressing weights because we have like a little, our little workout bench and I was just turning on and watching like, you know, Seinfeld or whatever I wanted to do while I was working out. Like it's not the difference was before I just sit on my ass and not work out. Right. So now all I'm doing is just taking, you know, that sitting down and work out and, and all you have to do is just manage your time better. You can still enjoy all sorts of different things. You can still spend time with your family and do these things. I mean, right now we now have our, our indoor gym is now set up in the common area. Um, so the whole family can be there and sometimes the kids will join in on a workout. So, but yeah, it takes self-discipline and because of that, it'll really, you know, a lot of people work out first thing in the morning and you'll set up your day for success. Right. Oh, hundred percent. And that's what I do as well. I work out in the morning and it's crazy. Like you said, most people, since being a trainer, a lot of the times people had the excuse of time. You know, I don't have the time to make it to the gym or to eat healthy. But like you just said, it's crazy when you start to prioritize things in your life. 
it's a, I, I've heard the saying, it's like you have a jar and then you have, say, you've got this, the rocks, right? You put the rocks in the jar and those are your, your big uh, commitments, right? That could be working out, that could be family. And then you put in pebbles, right? And you still have a, all this time in your day, but we always think that something's going to take longer than it should, right? And Andy talks about it, you know, with the power list, like just get those five things done and then you have the whole rest of the day to kind of enjoy yourself, right? Yeah. And it's crazy that when you get all these things done, you look up, you're like, man, I still have like three hours left in the day. You know, and I was, this is always an excuse was time until you actually are disciplined enough to do the things necessary. You look up, you're like, man, that was an excuse this whole time. <laughs> like, Oh yeah. 100%. Yeah. Cause yeah, no, I mean, I would, I would say that, Hey, I can't work. You know, I can't work out. I can't go outside. It's raining. I can't go outside. It's snowing but 75 hard made me, I'm going out there. Like we had massive floods out here in BC and I'm going out there. Rain's pooling down so hard that like my feet are soaked, right? Like I'm literally walking through puddles and I'm going, this isn't so bad. It's not a big deal. I mean, I work in the rain, so it didn't really bug me. But the funny thing is, is I was allowing it to be an excuse to control my life instead of just saying, oh, whatever, it's just a little bit of snow. Oh, it's just a little bit of rain. It's not a big deal. Just weather, just dress appropriately, right? Right. Yeah, you can't let things control your life. So, yeah, anyways. uh, Isn't it crazy when you, when you do, so I'm, you know, I'm on like, I'm on day 11, uh, but have been working out for quite a long time. But it's crazy, like you just said, it's those certain things that you think are stopping you. Like, uh, Yesterday, I made a post. It was talking about because I don't like to run. But during my workout, like going outside for the 45 minutes, I was like, I need to make this more challenging, right? So I'm starting to run during that that process. And I made a post. I said, you know, it's crazy. You know, whenever I go run, I'm thinking, okay, I only run a, run a mile, right? Or I want to run half a mile or this distance. And it's crazy when you when you reach that point, you can actually go further than you think you can. So like when you ran the half mile, you actually think, okay, I can go a mile or I could go two miles. We always limit what we think we're capable of until we actually get to that point and realize we can actually go further. So it's crazy to see that kind of um, comparison between physical and like mental fitness. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. And, and that's a big part. Like a lot of people just put fitness with physical and they don't really realize that it's also a lot of mental toughness involved with it because of the discipline involved with, with doing it every day. And just, I don't know, it's sometimes people get, you know, they, they get lost and they focus so much on the physical side, which is important, right? But they just don't think about how much mental toughness they're gaining and mental discipline they're gaining uh, from doing it and being hard on your time, I guess, right. Or disciplined with your time. Right. But, um, yeah, uh, let's move on here. Uh, let's uh, <laughs> talk about that all day long. As oh, as yeah. Uh, what was your most memorable experience as a customer? Yeah. So <clears throat> growing up, like during our birthdays, our, our parents would always take us out to like, you know, a dinner or something like that. It would be like uh, maybe like um, I don't know if you guys have like little steakhouses up there. I'm sure you do steakhouses, but it wasn't like a super nice steakhouse until it was like a major birthday, like maybe 18 or 21, right? Where we were able to go to like a really nice fancy restaurant. 
And I think my most memorable experience was when we went to this restaurant, this waiter, uh, first off, was very knowledgeable, very respectful, communicated very well. Um, You know, even put the napkin like in your lap, all this stuff that I never had experienced before. And the way he just made you feel and was making sure that you were taken care of, he would notice that, you know, your water was uh, halfway down, would just come back and refill it didn't ask if he wanted it, just these certain aspects that he was doing. And I wasn't used to that because I never had seen that. Right. Um, so when I was noticing this, I was like, this is really good service. It was somebody who took pride in what they were doing. And I think when somebody takes pride in what they're doing, I think that can create such an experience where it's repeatable and people want to come back to it. Right. I think that's why people go to nice restaurants is because what the food's great, but I think it's the service that they get during that time. So I would say that's probably the most memorable experience as far as customer experience and service goes that I can actually think about and uh, recall. Oh yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. We have, we have steakhouses up here too. Uh, One of the, one of the uh, best experiences I've had, my wife used to work at a place called Vivo Restaurante up here. And it was like a high end, restaurant like they would we're talking they would do homemade like homemade uh, spaghetti so they actually made the noodles there for the spaghetti and then they did a fettuccine what is it like a fettuccine alfredo but it's Mm -hmm. like it's like a but they it, it was different so it was like they took cheese and melted the cheese and that was the sauce like it was crazy. Real but it was like, yeah, it was a really high-end place too. Like it wasn't like they didn't put any napkins or anything on us, but it was really good food. And every time we went back, it was really good food. And I mean, I was amazed that my wife, that, that she worked there. I mean, because just the place was so high class, but she, she'd worked hard to get up into working in a place like this. But yeah, that place, the food was just amazing their chefs did amazing job it was always consistent um they had all sorts of little unique dishes i can't even remember them all right now but i mean the other place that i had a a really good experience twice was longhorn steakhouse in the states Mm -hmm. which blows me away because it's like a chain restaurant yeah yeah you wouldn't think that you'd get a good consistent experience at a chain house rest chain restaurant but i ate there twice got a steak the first time i ate there I ordered like the barbecue sauce on the side. I don't know if you've ever been there. And they mm-hmm. put like they put like some hot disc or something in there for the sauce. I cut into it. I ate it. It was so good. I, I couldn't believe it. And I remember the lady comes by. She goes, Oh, how how is everything? We noticed you didn't touch your barbecue sauce. I said, it didn't need it. I couldn't believe how good this steak was. And she goes, she come, the manager comes back and he goes, I'm glad you're happy with it. We're taking the barbecue sauce off your bill because we're just amazed that you were that happy with it. And yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Do they not get this often? And that was in Florida. I think it was in Florida. A couple of days later, we had a different Longhorn Steakhouse because I was like, oh, I want the same experience again. And I couldn't believe it. They were consistent, mm-hmm. which blew me away because that's a chain restaurant. Now, sure. maybe, maybe it was just the quality of meat that they were getting. But both times I was like, man, it was like, it's, they did such a great job. And that's a big thing about customer service. Are you consistent or are you just going to be, you know, wishwashy, 
right? Because if people get a different experience every single time and you're not consistent, then you get some people who are raving fans and some people that are like, yeah, I don't really think that that place is that good, right? Well, exactly. And, and, and uh, I made this, um, so I did, so I, in my business, I receive a lot of referrals and it comes from customer experience and, and, and what you can provide for the homeowner, right? So I was teaching all of our sales guys how to do that. And I was talking about whenever you have a favorite restaurant, it, it depends on, like we said, the food is great. The service is great. The atmosphere. But I said at the same time, if somebody, if the food's great, but the service is poor, and the person isn't coming around, they're not asking, they got this attitude that, you know, they just don't want to be there. Even though the food's great, because of the service, people aren't going to refer it. You know what I mean? Like you can have a oh, great, yeah, yeah. terrible attitude and you still won't get what, as far as an experience or the referrals or the reviews that you want. So it doesn't matter how good the product is. I think it, it matters about, you know, the experience that you provide somebody. Oh yeah, I I, to- I totally get that. And just to kind of give like kind of a final word on this subject. So I had a guy, he did some um, contract work for me and I was going to look at hiring him. And twice when we, when he did installs, you know, he went, it, it's very strict that we do a 15 to 30 minute demo on the product, no matter what, even if the customer's like, I'll figure it out. You know, I'll do this. No, the reason why is because I don't want the phone calls, right? Mm-hmm. I don't want to have people, you know, it's, sorry. It's not that I don't want the phone calls. What I want to do is eliminate those phone calls. Sure. Not necessarily, necessary questions that could have been answered when we were already there and explained in depth. And basically he did the whole, yeah, the guy says he'll figure it out. Yeah, no, no, but that's not how we work. You know, we need to give that demo. So, you know, I explained it all to him again did some contract work just because I was busy. And the second time he did the same thing, like, oh yeah, they said they had one before. So it's no big deal. Yeah. But uh, that's not the point. So I was like, you know what? I can't hire this guy. I, I just can't because so what I've realized is I need to hire people that have never worked in the industry. I need to, I need to, as Andy likes to say, I need to build people. Right. right, right. That way they're not bringing any of those bad habits of, yeah, I don't need to do that. I know better than them or whatever, right? Because I need consistency. And even when people tell me they already know the product, I still give them a demo. And most times I still teach them one new thing they didn't know before. And I kind of took that as a challenge because you want to eliminate, you want to just eliminate those things to keep the experience consistent. Oh, exactly. Just like we we're talking about with Longhorn Steakhouse. The experience was the same, different locations, but like you just said, with that one guy, that could be a hiccup in the whole chain of somebody having a great experience. So, no, I totally agree with you on all that. When you look around at the world today, what has stood out to you as the biggest change in how we interact as customers? So, so I'm 31. So growing up, everything, you know, you really didn't have the internet. It was just now coming out, right? So a lot of the things was either it was over the phone, you were talking to somebody or it was in person. I think the big change has happened is everything, and Andy talks about this all the time. You know, it's the automation. It's the, you know, just having somebody call in and, and maybe get a robot or somebody from India or something like that where it's not personalized. And I think the big difference, and I'm, I'm sure this is the way you run your business, this is how I run, run mine, is personalizing everything, making sure that that person feels like they're the only customer. Like just to, for instance, like I ordered the 75 hard book, 
And I'm sure that Andy gets that ordered all the time, right? But in the, in the receipt, it said, hey, Mitchell, thank you so much for being a part of this movement, blah, blah, blah. It was like a, a paragraph written, handwritten. And I think what we've gone from is that personalization to now everything's automated because everybody wants it so easy. They don't want to put in the effort. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? Yeah, so I think no. that's the thing I've noticed is everything's automated now and it just pisses people off. You know, like, it's just crazy. Like you're on the phone for 30 minutes waiting for somebody to answer the phone or, or things like that. So I think that's the biggest thing I've noticed from the customer experience has kind of gone away from. Yeah. So straight up, like I was in another networking group. I learned a lot about CRMs, you know, uh, if people who don't know what a CRM is, it's customer relationship management software. That's where you get the emails every single day from these big box companies or whoever, you know, basically reminding you over and over and over again that they have a sale. So I had my, I had a CRM built where literally someone filled out a contact form on Facebook with their, with their email and phone number, and it would automatically text email them all of this information on why you want a dash camera or sales, you know, boom, 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 hit them with like eight emails over like, four days kind of thing, right? One in the morning, one in the, at night, because that's what a lot of these companies teach you to do. Well, I found that really it's not personalized, first off. Second off, a lot of that stuff goes to people's junk and spam because it's just coming from an automated machine. Um, and like I already said, it's not, it's not personalized at all. Yeah. I actually got rid of that because I found it was doing more damage to the brand and to who I was than what I do now. And now I have a lot of things that are pre-templated where when people fill out a form, I update it with their name. I might update some information regarding their vehicle and I send it out. I have a lot of information there, but at the end of the day, if I just rely on my CRM to automatically email them over and over and over again, well, guess what? That's what's going to happen. It's just going to keep doing all that stuff, but I have no follow-up process. So I also follow up manually Mm -hmm. right with an email to make sure that they're they're getting um that information the crms are so unpersonable and i think we're going to see i think majority of small businesses have control of this they're getting rid of all the automation but you you can still have some of it in small doses but i think if you're heavily reliant on it um as soon as it goes down your whole business starts going down but if you have businesses and processes in place where you already have people that are doing things manually, it's, it's yeah, anyways, it's just, yeah, it's a shame that we've allowed CRMs to kind of control a lot of things going on in our life. Oh, yeah, no, it's crazy. I think uh, you made a good point, though. It's in, in moderation. I think if somebody's reaching out to get some information, something can go out quickly. That way it gets to them right away, Right. Uh, but at that point, I think you can create some more manual processes where you're actually having an interaction with this person, making it more personable, like you said. So I think moderation is good. But I think when you evolve to where that's the entirety of your your experience, like you said, yeah. I think that's going to be the downfall of most, most big companies. Yeah. And that's like I said, that's what I got rid of because that literally was my whole experience for clients. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm not closing a lot of people. It doesn't make sense. And what I, and I started thinking, would I like this? And I was like, no, I'd find this annoying. And I do like, there's companies that it's like, I want to use their software within my business. 
and I'll roll from them. And man, they email me twice a day. I'm like, how am I supposed to read all this? Delete, delete. I just start deleting it. Yeah. I don't even know if it's relevant. It might be cool stuff. I don't know. But most of the time, it's just like you're clogging up my inbox. Right. And I mean, if it has a headline that's really catchy, I might save it for later and read it later. But honestly, I was like, if I'm doing this to people where they're getting eight emails over right. four days, are they just deleting it? Right. Because I'm because feeling if, this way. Yeah. Because if I feel this way, probably the majority of people feel this way too. So I can't, because then it's overwhelming. Right. Like, oh, yeah. No, it is. Crap, where do I start? This is too confusing. Right. Well, it's, it's crazy you're saying this. I had a conversation yesterday in our sales meeting and uh, we were talking about how do you progress people, not follow up with people because, you know, we, we inspect roofs, we show them the damage, blah, 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 right? We get the insurance out here to approve a re-roof. Um, but she would, this person was asking, like, how do I follow up with these people because I feel like I'm spamming them. And it's funny you say that because a lot of the times when you're kind of pestering somebody to do something or remind them, people don't want that, right? They want to be progressed in a way where it makes them make the decision. I know we're talking about sales now, but it makes them make the decision of doing something that they know they should, right? Versus just say, hey, did you already file your claim? Have you talked to your husband or all these things? It's how can I progress them in a sense where it's their decision and it makes sense. You know what I mean? Oh, no. Yeah, I totally get what you're saying. And I mean, the whole thing is, this is all about the sales process. It's about your customer experience. So really, it all it all combines. I mean, even like the podcast that I recorded the other day, we honestly talked more about human interaction and how we interact as humans than we actually even really did to talk about customer experience. But it it all technically comes back together because, because how we are treating each other just as people. So, I mean, I, I don't really say that, yeah, sales definitely 100% is a big part of our customer experience. Cause if you're just, you know, if, if people email me for instance and say, Hey, how much is it for install? I just want to know. And I just write back $200 and that's all I wrote to them. They're going to shop at that. Right. Point. That's it. Yeah. So I always, you know, will say, Hey, you know, uh, if they've given me all the information, Hey, we charge blah, blah, blah. $200 plus tax, um, you know, blah, 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 blah. Please refer to our common questions about dash cameras. Uh, we also have lots of videos to watch on YouTube. If you're looking for more information on what's involved. Um, so I, I always try and, and give them more information to build our brand up so that they know, because if, if they are just shopping on price, they're probably not our customer anyways. I mean, I had right. a guy email me the other day saying, you know, this place is $10 cheaper. Okay. Okay. And, and, and I emailed back saying, okay, um, you want to, you should ask them if they're going to show you how your dash camera works, show you how to pair your phone and how to change all the settings. Because if they're not going to trust me, I'm worth, I'm worth more than 10 bucks for that. Right? right. And that guy didn't even respond to me and that's fine. But I've also had where I've emailed that to lots of other people or texted them that. And I've had a lot of people pay $30, $40 more for my service because we're like, yeah, you're right. I actually want to learn how this thing works. Yeah, they so, see the value. Yeah. And, and I think what you're doing as far as I know you were talking about, you just got into the podcast, you're making these videos. And I think that's doing a lot of good because now you can refer that to these people and show them. You can, you can basically build all this value firsthand and this knowledge 
And then they can see you as the expert versus just, hey, you know, what's your price? And if it's $10 more, well, yeah, they're shopping the price versus the value that you obviously offer. And you can show that by giving them these videos, all these, uh, this information. So I think that's, that's fantastic. Oh yeah, no, it's, it's great. So what, what is one thing you do or have done to provide a positive experience? So I think, I think the biggest thing when it comes to a customer experience is, is trust, right? I think once that's broken, then people, the experiences are not going to be good, right? Even the, even if the product is really, uh, if it's great, it doesn't matter. So what I always do is I set the expectation from the get go. I let the homeowner know, like, let's say for instance, I tell them the process. I tell them the, 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 the base of the timeline of what this is going to take and how long it should take. And because let's say for instance, COVID that put a very big hindrance on everybody's, um, you know, their supply chain, getting all the materials since I'm in construction. Right. So let's say for instance, with a gutter material, the color that they want is a month out. I would say, Hey, look, just so you know that this color that you have, unless you want to go with something else, it's going to take about a month to get in just so you know. So I think when you can set the expectation for somebody at the very beginning, then you won't have to uh, basically overcome all these objections or maybe they're getting um, disgruntled because things are taking longer than they expected them to. So I think if you can set that expectation from the very beginning of what this is going to actually take and what it's going to look like, you're building trust automatically. And then you, at that point, you have to fulfill what you just said you're going to do. So I think if you do those certain things, I think that's going to create a, an experience that people are going to remember because roofs aren't sexy. Let's be honest. Nobody's going <laughs> to Home Depot or Lowe's like, you know what, honey, I think we should buy a roof, right? It's not sexy, but I think it's the process and how you make somebody feel throughout that process. Cause it takes about two to three months for the whole project to wrap up. So I would say yeah. that. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Right. I mean, like I, I, I have extensive supply chain experience. And trust me, I like, I totally understand what's going on with the supply chain and it's, and depending where your materials come from, uh, I mean, even just coming from, you know, across the United States to you, for instance, you know, there's a lot of these factories and everything where normally they'd have, let's call it a hundred workers in them. And they're only running 50 because that state or province or wherever is only allowing them to have workers within a certain distance of each other and, so they have all these different rules. Some companies have adapted and said, hey, you know what? Because of this, we're going to run 24 hours a day, our manufacturing plants, and we're going to have the other 50 people out of the 100 are going to work at night, the other 50 people, so that we can continue manufacturing going all day. While right. some companies have just said, we're only open nine to five. So I guess 50 people lose their jobs. And then because of that, uh, the supply chain gets hit, uh, their growth gets hit, they've lost sales. So th there's multiple factors involved with um, how these businesses are running. And because of that, it affects your business. And it, it, it's this whole big ripple effect. And on top of that, if it's coming from overseas, you know, a lot of the factories overseas were shut down for two months. So they were, you know, originally at the beginning of all right. this, right? So there's still backlog coming. I was just catch up at this point. Right. So, yeah, I, I totally, I totally get it. Right. But the big part, Part of that is communication. And as long as you're communicating, I think your customers will be blown away. 
honestly, most customers are blown away just that I respond to their inquiry. Right. right? Because like a lot of places don't even respond. You're right. You know? So the fact that you're communicating, hey, you know, it's all good. We can get you your brown one, but it'll be a month. But if you want black roofing or whatever, you know, you, you could have it next week. Would you like right. to go with black? Right. And, yeah. you know, they might go, you know what? Yeah, it'll look good or whatever. Yeah. You don't know. Exactly. Well, it's crazy. You said that the key thing you just said, though, was the communication aspect. And I think most people don't communicate things properly. They think maybe if I have this conversation, it's going to be, uh, it's going to feel awkward, right? I don't want to have that kind of conversation where there might be uh, maybe we're butting heads or things like that. Um, so I think if you can communicate things properly throughout the whole process, let them know, update them. I'm sure this is what you do with some of your people as well. You update them through the process, what it's going to take, how long it's going to take, when the things are arriving, when the subs are going out. You know, I think that's what can set you apart from the other companies who may do the same thing as you. Yeah. So the funny thing is every time there's an appointment made, I send them to a page on the website that shows them the typical day of what's involved with our installation process. It'll give them average time, how they pay. It gives them, um, you know, whereabouts it's going to be mounted. There's also YouTube videos on that page. So if they want to watch the video and they don't want to read, it actually is me talking, saying everything that's basically on that page. So I try and direct them to that because it gets rid of a lot of the other questions and it gives them an expectation. You know, average install takes one to two hours. If we're doing another install uh, before yours, we will contact you when we're en route to yours. If we're going to be late, we will communicate with you. But typically we will be there within that time frame of arrival. So, but all that information's on there because I try and send as much information out. I'm, I, I would like to say I'm an over communicator. I make sure to communicate so much stuff over and over and over again to try and eliminate any of those challenges. But I also know that a lot of things you have to be told at, at minimum three times before people even like have it sink in. Right. Right. Oh yeah. No, hundred percent. I agree with you. So is there a book you've read that has influenced your life? So I'm sure you've probably gotten this response a lot of, a lot of times. Um, so just context, I never read growing up. I was not a reader. I was more of a person outside. I played basketball and things like that. So I never read only in school when you had to actually read a book, right? So um, when I graduated 18, 19, I started to read. Uh, my brother actually gave me a book. And as we all know, it's, it's Think and Grow Rich. And even though that's just a very uh, common book that most people have read, it was the first book I read where I actually read the whole thing that I didn't have to read, right? Uh, but it opened my mind to knowing that you're in control of whatever you want in your life. And the effort that you put into something is you'll get out of that. And I think that was the big thing. And that, that was a catalyst, not only for reading, but working out, the discipline it takes to work out. If you want to change your body, you want to change your mind, there's these certain actions that you have to put into place. So that one book was a catalyst of me reading more, looking more in depth, actually understanding myself and what it's going to take to actually get the results I want. Because a lot of the times you have to think about most people don't want to do inner work, right? They just think it's other people's fault. It's a victim mentality. Oh, it just wasn't meant to be. 
But I think if you can actually look inside, and I think that's what that book does, it allows you to look in depth of yourself and what you maybe aren't the best at, and that you can actually become better at it by just surrounding yourself with the people or the information. So I think it's that book that really was a catalyst to me creating what I've done over this, say, last 10 years. Yeah, I'd say I have a very similar story. I I didn't read it all other than when I was in school. Um, I started, I worked a couple different jobs, but Best Buy definitely triggered something inside me when I worked there. And I remember I was, I was in this, the manager's office, but I, I was technically a supervisor, right? So I had one of my employees in there and I was doing this whole, like, I'm the boss and you follow the rules. These are the company's rules and you better follow. No, I'm not doing it. And I'm like, listen, like, listen, Tyson, you're doing it. This, this is like, this is part of the job. And I remember this manager turning around and go, Hey, you know, you stop trying to saying you're the boss. You follow his direction because that's our minimum expectations. And, you know, enough of this back and forth, right? Cause it went on back and forth for like 10 minutes. So finally, you know, the employee leaves manager pulls me aside and he's like, listen, like, I understand you have the best intentions, but the way you are managing is not proper. And he told me, read the book, One Minute Manager. So I was like, oh, okay, whatever. And, you know, when I did that whole, like, I don't really read books, but I was like, you know what? He must have his best intentions for me. So I read the book, One Minute Manager, and it was all about, you know, reprimand in private and, you know, tell people they've done a good job in front of the other teammates, you know, so that way you're, you're bumping everybody up. And it was, you know, at that point in time in my life, it was, it was perfect for me. And because of that, and because it helped me so much, you know, every time they were like, Hey, this is a book that kind of everybody at Best Buy head office and, and district is reading next thing, you know, boom, I read now discover your strengths and now discover your, discover your strengths basically set me up for my whole life. Like I literally live off of that book about, I want to build strength-based organizations everywhere I've worked since then. I always want to build people based on their strengths. And, but yeah, like very similar story. I never really read it all. I played hockey on the street growing up, played hockey on the ice growing up, played soccer on the field. You know, that's what I did. We came home from school. I didn't do my homework. I went out and played hockey, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right? But yeah, like later on, I was probably 22, I want to say, working at Best Buy, something like that. And that's when they kind of 22, yeah, 22, 2002, yeah, right around there. So, you know, they they got me reading books, 22, 23 years old, somewhere around there. And that's, you know, that's what kind of triggered me. And then I stopped reading books shortly after I left Best Buy and then doing 75 hard again. In the last couple of years, I started reading books again. I probably read about eight books or 10 books or something in the last two years. And I have like six more books I got to read here. <laughs> <laughs> like I bought them. Right. I mentioned a reading them. So I need to, I need to start reading them so I continue growing, which it's, a, it's important that you keep some books kind of going. It keeps you motivated, keeps your mental toughness up. So, Oh yeah. And I think, I think you can learn different ideas and, and they always talk about, you know, wisdom is learning from other people's failures or their experience. Right. So you don't have to actually go through that. And I think that's what some books can offer, right? These people who are successful or have maybe built a business and now they're creating a book. Like I know, you know, probably Patrick Bet David with Valuetainment, right? His, uh, his five steps, uh, his book. I don't know if you read it, uh, I but anyway, haven't, no. it's a great book. I would, I would highly recommend reading it. Um, 
but yeah, it's just, you know, you, you learn all these new techniques or these, this way of thinking. Uh, and you're never going to learn that if you just, if you just, your head's in the sand, so to speak, you know? Yeah, that's, that's totally right. Like you got to do, you, you got to read, you got to find books that are going to relate to you. Something that's going to push you to that next level. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I got so many books I got to read here. <laughs> one, I, of them's, I, I, one of them's clockwork. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, just, I'm like you, I buy books and I'm like, all right, I bought like six books. All right. I need to stop buying them. I need to actually read them. You know, it's like, yeah. some of them are, I bought them because I want to support the person. Like one of them's, one of them's in our RTA group, Chris Warren's. I bought his book. Um, he also was on the show and I'm like, well, I got to figure out where I'm going to read his in the queue. But uh, yeah, you know, I, I just want to make sure to support our other members. Right. Oh yeah. No, hundred percent. Awesome. But um, if there's one thing you could change in the entire world today, what would it be and why? Mm. So I don't know if this is actually even possible, um, but if I could change something in the world, I would think it would be for people to be more open-minded uh, because I think we're in a dangerous spot in the world today where people are so hooked on their identity and what they believe that they're not, they're not apt to looking at the other side of something, you know, like with the whole, let's say, let's take code for instance, or politicians, right? It's very common where I grew up as a Democrat. I'm, I'm, I'm voting Democrat. I'm going to, I'm supporting Democrats, even though maybe you don't align with what they're doing and you're not having the open mind to have a discussion with somebody who maybe has a different thought process and I think when you're not open-minded, you're not allowing yourself to grow and develop and to think differently. And I think that's a scary thing where we, like where we are as a, as a society today, because people are so hooked on what they believe and they want to hold on to it and they don't want to give it away. They don't want to change. And I think that's going to demoralize society if we continue to think this way, because think about it, like when you have conversations with somebody and maybe you don't agree with them yeah. and they tell you something and it just it kind of hits you and it's kind of like a gold nugget where you think okay that makes sense and it changes my perspective to look at maybe a, a situation differently you know oh i actually yeah like i talked to a lot of my clients about things that are probably borderline controversial topics mm -hmm. and but i have to feel out are they are they okay with having this discussion right. right so as long as they're okay having the discussion it's it's always kind of a good back and forth in my opinion, right? Because now I can go and kind of say, Hey, you know, what do you think about this? And they go, no, 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 it has to be like this. It has to be like this. And I'm like, okay, yeah, okay. I understand that. But have you thought about this and why this is happening? And then you start getting their critical thinking to kind of turn on. And then they're like, yeah. And it's like, they're connecting dots. Right. But at the same time, I've had people do that to me, but I was listening to a podcast. I'm not going to name the podcast, but they were talking about how 80% of celebrities are fake because they're so worried about the public opinion of what they should be doing and what they shouldn't be doing that they're not being the authentic self that they should be because like, well, 80% of my fan base, you know, is anti something. I'm not going to name anything. Right, right. So I need to be anti something right. When I speak. And, you know, 80% of my fan base won't listen to, I don't know, Spotify, 
So I'm going to be anti-Spotify and my music is not going to go on Spotify. Right. Or, you know, you, you, you kind of know where I'm going with this, right? Oh, 100%. So instead of saying no, like, no, I, I don't care. That's their opinion. I'm that's where I'm going. Cause that's, what's best for me. And, and I support that, but they don't want to be that. Cause they're, they have to weigh the crowd. And it's the same stuff that goes on with politicians. Yeah. Instead of politicians going, I think this is what the people want. This is what they're saying to me. But how is that going to look for me politically? Oh, wait, we need to make sure to take polls over the next month to find out where I sit. Oh, man, I have 20% approval rating. Okay, so my approval rating will go up if I make this decision. Okay, let's make the decision. Hey, now I'm up to 50%. Instead of just going, the people are doing it and making the decision. It's all about what is the popular opinion saying? And I, I just, I don't understand that. Instead of just doing what you feel is right, it's all about that. And then I had the whole identity politics thing or whatever, like, you know, what is it? The left is this, the right is that. I don't even understand that terminology. I, just, I don't know where people come up with this stuff. I don't understand why we can't just, why can't we all just come to the center and have a conversation? And you're allowed to have different views, in my opinion. Right, exactly. Well, that's what makes culture so great that's what makes a nation so great is you can have these different differing opinions and you can come together and you can either disagree you can agree but you you come out on the other side better because now you have a different thought and a different outlook on what that certain situation is and going back to what you said about uh celebrities and things like that like 50 50 like 50 people are going to hate you 50 people are going to love you right and Andy talks about being your authentic self. That's why he's been so successful is because he's such an authentic person that he's going to attract the people that identify with how he views and what he ex expresses. And I think when you're not that, you kind of get lost and you don't really understand yourself at that point. Oh, yeah. Like one of my five core values is authenticity, right? Because mm -hmm. I want to be my authentic self. And me making all the YouTube videos and people can say they relate to me. They can see me. They can see that I am exactly who I am on the YouTube videos because I'm just being my authentic self. Right. I'm not being some showman or whatever, right? Like I need to make a YouTube video so I get, you know, 10,000 likes. Like I, that's not what it's about. It's about getting the information out, educating people and just showing that I'm being who I am based off the knowledge I have, right. And, and trying to help educate uh, people who are in this industry, you know, or that are in the market to buy a dash camera that that's where I am with, with what I'm trying to do instead of just trying to like, Hey, I need to do something wacky. So I get like 10,000 likes or whatever. <laughs> that's not me. I don't, I don't care about the likes. I mean, at this point in time, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right. Over time, probably. But right now you're setting the stage of who you are and kind of the precedence of that. So no, I totally understand. And I agree with you on that. Yeah. Do you have any final words or anything you'd like to, to end with? I would say um, just just real quick is creating the experience for somebody comes from following through with what you say you're going to do. And, and I think that we can sum up the experience with just that in my opinion, with what I've done when it, when it came to training, personal training, did that for eight years, had clients for eight years. It had nothing to do with providing a better service than somebody else. I think it was the connection I made with somebody. But when I said I was going to do something, I did it. And it transitions to what I do now. 
you know, letting somebody know exactly what I'm going to do. And, and when I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And I think if you just lead with that, no matter where you are, you're going to be successful. I think that's the number one thing that's going to create an experience for somebody, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. No. So basically, you're just saying follow through and do what you say you're going to do. Right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, thanks for coming on today. It was great getting to know you. Great chatting. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate you letting me come on the show, kind of give my uh, thoughts on uh, customer experience. We obviously went into a little bit more depth of other stuff, but uh, it was fun, man. I appreciate you having me on and it was good to uh, get to know you as well. It was awesome. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to the Focus on Customer Experience podcast. Podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. For more information or to connect with Ben, check out Benjamin Del Grosso on LinkedIn at SafeDriveSolutions on Instagram or www.SafeDriveSolutions.ca online. We'll see you next time.